In this episode, we're going to look at how to modify single area OSPF version 2. I'll show you how to do it, and we'll talk about the concepts along the way. OSPF will be already configured, and all end devices currently have full connectivity. We're going to modify the default OSPF routing configurations by changing the hello and dead timers and adjusting the bandwidth of the link. Then we'll verify that full connectivity is restored to all the end devices. Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Techify Nation. And if you're new here, welcome. This episode is part of my series on configuration examples for the CCNA. I'm Kevin here at Techify. Let's get this adventure started. Modify single area OSPF version two. On the left side, I have our packet tracer window open with our topology. This is where we're gonna be configuring our devices. On the right side, I have our instructions. I just have the packet tracer activity window that opens up when you open up packet tracer. I don't have a word document. There's no questions to answer, no answers to save. So I'm just using the normal packet tracer activity window. We have our addressing table with all of our devices and interfaces and what their IP addresses and subnet masks are. Down to the instructions. Part one, modify the OSPF default settings. First, they want us to connectivity, test connectivity between all end devices. Verify that all PCs can ping the web server and each other. Okay, we're gonna start off here with PCA. PCA, open up a command prompt, type in ping, and then from my uh, addressing table, I'm just gonna start pinging all the other devices. So I'm on PC one right now. I'm gonna go ahead and ping PC two. PC two's address is 172.16.2.2. Hopefully it takes a second, it has to do an ARP request. What I'm hoping for. There we go. ARP request to figure out the MAC addresses to transport those layer two frames. The other three work. I'm gonna verify it. I just hit up arrow once, make sure I get all four back. Then I'm gonna go ahead and ping PC3 from one, 192.168.1.2. Ping 192.168.1.2. Hoping we have an ARP request again. Here too. There we go. Looks like we had the ARP request for the failure for the first one. Next three worked. What I'm gonna do is just hit up arrow, repeat that to make sure all four work. So we can successfully ping PC3. And then the last thing I'm gonna do from PC1 is ping the web server 64.100.1.2. So ping. 64.100.1.2. Once again, I'm hoping for ARP requests timing out. It looks like what's happening. I'm going to repeat that command just to confirm. And we have ping PC1 or web server from PC1 four times successfully. Now, PC1 was able to successfully ping all them. I'm just going to quickly check. PC2 to make sure it can ping PC3 in the web server. And so ping, and then I'm going to PC3, 
all four worked that time without an ARP lookup because the ARP cache already had all the MAC addresses it needed. And then I'm going to go ahead and ping our web server. So ping 64.100.1.2. And all four of those pings worked again. Last thing I have to do is ping PC3 to the web server. Open that up, open up my command prompt, and then ping my web server, which is 64.100.1.2. All four of those work. PC3 can ping web server. They said make sure we have full connectivity. Well, I pinged PC1 to PC2. I did not ping backwards from PC2 to PC1. Because if you remember, ping is an ICMP protocol and it consists of two parts. One is the echo request where PC1 sends an echo request to PC2 and then PC2 sends an IP ICMP echo response back. And so that shows traffic can travel both ways on that connection, showing we have the connectivity in both directions between those devices. Okay, that takes care of part one, step one, testing our connectivity. On to step two, adjust the hello and dead timers between R1 and R2. On this network right here, we're going to adjust the hello and dead timers. To do that, we go into R1. In R1 here, we have our CLI. I make this window a little bit bigger so it lays out better. Go ahead, no password, so I can just type enable to get into privilege exec mode. Then we go into global configuration mode by typing config T. Now we go into our interface that connects them. If we look, that's this connection right here between R1 and R2 we're doing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to click in this window and I'm going to mouse over this green triangle right here. That green triangle is going to say that this connection is serial 000. That's the interface I need to go into. So go into interface space serial 0 slash 0 slash 0. Now we're in there. Once we're in that interface, we can now set our interval times to do that this is the command here ip because it's part of the ip suite we're dealing with the ospf routing protocol so it's ip ospf and then the hello timer and then what we want to set that time to in seconds so we want to set the hello timer to 15 seconds so we can go ip ospf space hello dash timer and then 15 seconds Oh, not hello timer, it's hello interval. And once again, this is a great example of the Cisco operating system. No news is good news in the Cisco operating system. When you enter in a command correctly in the Cisco operating system and it's done right, it won't let you know. It's just going to be quiet. But as soon as you do something wrong, it's going to let you know. Here, I typed in a command it did not recognize. I typed in hello timer. Did not recognize it. It's supposed to be hello interval. And notice it gave me a little up sign, a little carrot sign here saying, your problem is somewhere in this area. So I start looking. And immediately when I looked at I looked at it, I said, oh, that should be hello interview or interval, not hello timer. What I'm gonna do now is hit the up arrow once, arrow to the left a couple times, hit the backspace, and then type in interval. That sets that. And once again, I did it correctly. How do I know? Cisco didn't tell me I did it wrong. Next thing we have to do is set our dead interval. 
the command here is IP space OSPF space dead dash interval. And we're going to set that to 60. Four times our hello timer. We set that after a short period of time. I'm going to hit enter a couple of times. After a short period of time, the OSPF connection with R2 will fail as shown by the output. So we're going to wait here. Well, I'm a little impatient. I'm not necessarily going to wait. Oh, there it is. If I didn't want to wait, I could hit the fast forward button, but we waited. And all of a sudden, we see we have a neighbor down. We have a dead timer expired, and it's not working. The reason for that is both sides of those connections, they have to have the exact same interval timers. The hello time or hello interval needs to be the same on both sides. The dead interval needs to be the same on both sides. Right now, we only set router one. What we have to do is go in and set router two to be identical to router one. Both sides of the connection need to have the same timer. Identify the interface on R2 that is connected to R1. Adjust the timers on R2 to match R1. Now I'm going to go ahead and minimize R1. I'm going to click in this window and then mouse over this triangle. That is telling me serial 000 is the one I need to change my interval timers on. I'm going to go ahead and open up R2. Slide that over. Make the window a little bit bigger going right to left. Hit enter, type enable for privilege exec mode. I config T for global configuration mode. Now we can go into the interface. Once again, that was interface serial zero zero. So we can go ahead and type in interface space serial zero slash zero slash zero. And now we can set our timers to match the other side of that connection. First thing here is IP OSPF hello dash interval and we set it at 15. We go ahead and set that at 15. Now we can go IP OSPF dead interval and set that to 60. Now our settings should match. After a short time, brief period, we should see that we are now back to a full status for our adjacency. You don't want to wait. We can click on the fast forward button right here. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Come back to R2. And now we can see we had an adjacency change. We have now went to a full communication status. Now we are all happy again. And that adjacency has been established. I hope you're liking this episode on practical configuration examples. Leave a comment on what you think about these configuration examples. If you still have a question or comment, please let me know below. You can also visit my website at kevtechify.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. Down to part one, step three. Adjust the bandwidth setting on R1. Trace the path between PC1 and the web server located at 64.100.1.2. Notice the path from PC1 is routed through R2. OSPF prefers the lower, lower cost path. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at PC1. I'm going to open up PC1 in our command prompt here. I'm going to hit enter a couple times. And now we're going to enter in that command trace RT. And then we're going to put the IP address of the web server in there. 64.100.1.2. 
two, and it's going to give us a tracer out from, I'm going to slide this over. We're going to go from PC one here and get to our web server. And what we can see here is our first stop was at 172.16.1.1. That was this connection right here. It's this connection. So that's our first hop where we enter our first device where we can change it. Our second hop is 172.16.3.2. Here's the 172.16.3.network. This is the .2 address. So it's this interface right here. That's our second hop. Our third hop is the 209.165.200.226. That is this network up here. That is this network right here. And the dot 26 is this interface. So we're going into our ISP. And then finally, our last hop, our fourth hop is the web server itself, 64.100.1.2, which is right here. We want the shortest path. All of these costs are equal in between the routers. And so it took the lowest cost. If we would have went from router one to router three to router two, that cost would have been higher because we had to go through two WAN links. Here, this WAN link is just one, so we only have that cost once. And so this is the shortest path according to the cost metric right here. From R1, or sorry, from PC1 to R1 to R2 to the web server. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to change the cost of this. Right now, all the cost of all three of these three of these WAN connections are the same. What we're going to do is we're going to increase the cost here to make it that even going across this one connection, it's still a lower cost to go from R1 to R3 to R2, these two connections. What we do is we go into R1. We go into the serial 000 interface, and then we change that bandwidth to 64. I'm gonna go ahead and minimize PC1 window, open up R1, hit enter. Now, I'm not exactly sure what interface I'm in or was in. I'm just gonna go back and go into the serial 000 interface. So I can just go ahead and type interface is serial 0 slash 0 slash 0. Yeah, I could have scrolled up and looked, but I wanna make sure, so I hit enter. Now I'm definitely sure I'm in there. Now I can configure the bandwidth. I'm going to configure it for 64. I'm going to go ahead and type in bandwidth. And I'm going to put a question mark. Notice this is the bandwidth in kilobytes. What we're going to do is we're going to put an amazingly slow speed on this WAN connection. 64 kilobits per second. These here, if I mouse over it, these are serial connections, probably at gig speed. So this connection will be ridiculously slow, thereby raising the cost an awful, awful lot on that path. So bandwidth is 64. Now let's do it. Now let's trace the path again that we just did. And now we'll see what the path looks like. So I'm going to click on PCA. I'm going to hit enter several times. So that gives us a nice separation. And we're going to do the same command. All I'm going to do is hit up arrow once and hit enter. And now we can see when I did trace route the first time, I had four entries. Now I have five entries. Let's follow this through and see what happens. First one here, we went to 172.16.1.1. 
That is our default gateway right here. So that's our first hop. Second hop is 192.168.10.6. Well, that is this network right here. That is this interface. See if I can actually click on it. That's this interface right in this, right here connected to R3. That's our second hop. Our third hop, 172.16.3.2, 172.16.3.2 is actually up here. Now, you would say, okay, it could be this one, but as long as it's one of these interfaces, this is our next hop device. Then hop four, 209.165.200.226, that's this connection here. And finally, we come to our web server. Gives us the path to go to the web server, goes from PC1 to R1 to R3 to R2, then to the web server. We raised the cost on this by lowering the speed so much that it was better to take a couple take an extra hop to get to our destination than it was to go across the really slow network. Takes care of step three, part one. Part two, verify connectivity. Verify all PCs can ping the web server and each other. Now that we made this change, we wanna make sure that we still can ping. Go ahead, open up PC one. I'm gonna scroll up to my addressing table and I'm gonna ping my PCs again. So I'm gonna go ahead and ping PC2, which is 172.16.2.2. I just pinged it. It should be in the ARF cache, but remember, we are now having a different path through the network. And so they may have to time out those old ARP connections. But it's going to fail all four times. Now, why did it fail all four times? Well, let's take a look. What did I type in? 172.13. What address am I trying to ping? 172.16. So I typed in the wrong IP address. Does not exist. So it should fail. Let's go ahead and type the right address for PC2. Ping. Space. 172.16.2.2. Now that ping worked. Once again, that ping is going from PC1 to R1 to R3 to R2 to PC2. It's not taking the connection between R1 and R2 because the cost is so high, that speed is so low. So we can ping PC2. Let's go ahead and try pinging PC3. Ping 192.168.1.2. We're able to ping PC3. And finally, let's try pinging our web server. 64.100.1.2. Notice how it doesn't have to do the ARP lookups either because we have now got those in the ARP caches. PC1 has full connectivity. Let's go on PC2. PC2, let's ping PC3, 192.168.1.2. That works, and let's go ahead and ping the web server right away. Ping, yeah, spell it correctly, ping 64.100.1.2. And those are working. PC2 has full connectivity, and the last one we have to do is PC3 to the web server. 
I can just up arrow right there and we can try our ping. We have full connectivity even after we've changed the default settings for OSPF between R1 and R3. That was Packet Tracer Lab 2.4.11 Modify Single Area OSPF Version 2. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on configuration examples. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel. All my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com. There you can find out how to get all these episodes in video and podcast form. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on practical configuration examples for the CCNA. I've created four wonderful playlists for you on the CCNA. These episodes, I go through all the concepts that Cisco calls out for the CCNA. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.